to Romans, the eighth chapter, Romans chapter eight, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number one, Romans chapter eight, and we'll begin our reading at verse number one. Is not it good to be alive today? Amen. Listen, a Sunday morning, beautiful weather outside. The, the heat dome is broken. It seems like it's football season. Come on. Oh, yeah. Some of y'all looking at me like, what are, what are you talking about, Pastor? All right, I tell you, nothing like going to church and worshiping God with all your hard mind and soul. Go home and eat a good Sunday dinner, watch two or three quarters of the football game, and take a Sunday nap. That is heaven for me. <laughs> all right, all right, that's okay. All right, all right so Romans 8 chapter, and we'll begin our reading at verse number one. Romans 8 chapter, begin our reading at verse number one. And guys, I'm going to walk us through this, 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 this process today in, in um, and we're talking about finding your identity. This is crucially important because as a born-again believer, if you don't know your identity, and all of us, if, we, if we're honest about it, and we look at what happens in society as a whole, uh, you know, people are misidentified. You know, there, there's even, uh, there, there, there's actually a mental disease. It's called disassociated identity disorder. I believe that's, that's what the right concept and that person who has disassociated identity disorder has multiple type identities and personalities that flow within that individual. Um, and, and so I believe that sometimes when it comes to us as Christians, uh, many of us have different identities. And if you, know who your true, if you know what your true identity is and who God made you to be, then you're going to be successful in advancing kingdom principles. But the reality is that in the church today, many people identify themselves as a Baptist, as a, a Pentecostal or uh, whatever the denominational slant or bent is. But I'm here to tell you that it's not, it does not matter what denominational church you go to or whether you go to a non-denominational church. Your identity should not be wrapped up in that. Some people wrap their identity up in their jobs and their occupations. They get their self-worth and their value from what they do every day. I'm a coach. I'm a teacher. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm a nurse. Uh, I'm an administrator. Whatever you do, uh, some people wrap their identity up in what they do. So such that when they stop doing what they do, they can't even hardly live. All right. But I want you to know we need to find our identity in Christ Jesus. Can I get a witness? Let's go to Romans 8 chapter verse 1 says what? So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to what? Now, let's stand the context. The apostle Paul is the writer of this text. And Paul had, had just got through talking in that seventh chapter uh, uh, about uh, being sold under sin. And he, he just got through talking about in that seventh chapter about uh, when he wanted to do good, he found himself not doing it. The things he wanted to do, he didn't do. And the things he didn't want to do, he found himself doing it. He says, he's going to deliver me from this predicament that I find myself in. So we go into this eighth chapter. He says, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Verse number two, let's go. It says what? And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that does what? The power of sin does what? For the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And because you belong to him, verse, uh, says, and because you belong to him, the power of the living spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Verse number three. Let's read. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son 
in a body like the bodies we sinners have, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice, what? For our sin. Verse 4, he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Five through seven, let's read. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. I need you to just make a mental over that. We'll come back to that a little bit later on. But let's read verse five one more time. It says what? Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Now think about, think about your thinking. Is it swayed toward the things of spirit or is it swayed toward the things of your sinful nature? What do you think about on a common everyday basis? Watch this. Uh, but, the, uh, but the Holy Spirit think about those things which please the spirit. Verse 6 and 7. Let's go. Ready to read. So letting your sinful nature control your mind to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to what? Life and peace. Verse 7. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. And it never will. All right? And it never will. So let's begin to unpack some of this right quick. Now, we got some main ideas I want you to uh, keep in mind as we go through this scripture text here. Talking about finding your identity. Rooted. Finding your identity. We need to get rooted and grounded, okay? On the cross... God revealed his character, and it's because of the cross we can know him. We can know him. I say know him. Now, that word know uh, in this original root word is different than what just knowing about somebody. It's actually a word that signifies intimacy, such that the Bible even used that same word when it says Adam knew Eve and she birthed him a son. All right, he, he knew Eve. In other words, he had intimacy with Eve. Are y'all tracking with me today? So the Bible lets us know that we can know God. We can have such an intimate relationship with God that through that intimate relationship with God, he can produce in us the things that he desires to live out, for us to live out in our Christian faith here on earth. Amen? So, so because of the cross, we can find our identity and identity that's anchored in Christ. Everybody say anchored in Christ. There are many things true about us, both good and bad. But if we are in Christ, the truest thing about us is our identity in Christ as a son and daughter of God. Now, I will tell you, and you probably can, can, can witness to this fact, there are people who will identify you as something that you're not. There are times when we identify ourselves as something that the Bible says we're not. The Bible says you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. But how many times have you said to yourself that, well, I can't do that. I can't overcome that. I'm not going to ever be able to do this. I, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough money to do that. And, and I'm, just, I'm just in this state and I can't do it. I, I, I'm, Pastor, you're saying I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves me, but I'm having all this stuff happening in my life and I don't feel like I'm very victorious at all. Has anybody ever been there before? I mean, saved, got baptized like Kate Nurl did this morning. Amen. Uh, uh, except that Christ is your Lord and Savior, but, but you were not really uh, uh, honed in to your true identity because you thought that the world or the devil had greater power than you did. And you talked to yourself and said, I can't do it. When the Bible says you can do all things through Christ, who what? 
All right. So 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 today we're going to we're going to uh, to try to answer one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves. And that is who we are, not what we do, but who we are. Ever say, I need to know who I am. And I believe it starts with how we see and think about ourselves. Now, it's interesting to note, we talk about Jesus Christ and, and the cross of Calvary, and, the, and, and there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's interesting to note that when they crucified Jesus, they nailed him to a cross and placed it on a hill called Golgotha. Everybody say Golgotha. I know it's a little tough to say it, but say it again. Say Golgotha. Say it again. Uh, say it again one more time. All right. Golgotha. Golgotha means the place of a skull. Everybody say the place of a skull. It is said that in Jerusalem, as you view this hill called Golgotha from a distance, it looks like a human skull. And to me, it kind of looks like that, doesn't it? He was crucified on a place called Golgotha, a place a skull is known of. Okay, so, so on, on, on the day Jesus was crucified, he was hanging on a cross, positioned on top of a hill, shaped like the skull. Now, I told you this before. We need to understand that this was no accident. Everything that God does in history and in our lives is not by accident. Every person you met, every disappointment, every valley experience you had, every, every victory you had was not by accident. God who's sovereign watches over all of us. And there is nothing that can happen in this life except God allow it to happen. Are y'all with me today? So it was, no, it was no accident that he was crucified on a place that they call the place of skull. God divinely orchestrated this to reveal a central truth of the reason that Christ died. To understand freedom from sin of any kind, whether it's pride, whether it's envy, whether it's jealousy, whether it's sexual immorality, idolatry, etc., we must realize that the battle for victory starts in the place of skull in our minds. Are y'all with me today? This is why God chose the setting for the crucifixion as a place that had the same appearance of a human skull. He would have chosen a hill that looked like an eye. He didn't choose a hill that looked like an eye. He didn't choose a hill that looked like a heart or an arm or foot, but he chose the place of skull. Everybody say place of skull. Jesus died on top of a skull-shaped hill to dramatically demonstrate the purpose of his death. Once his mission was accomplished and he, and he breathed his last breath, guys, they pierced him in the side, blood and water spilled out, and landed on the ground they called the skull. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I don't think that was just by accident. I don't think that this, we can't overlook this powerful picture. You see, Jesus died to save us instead of free. Our minds are a critical issue in the battle for our salvation and our resulting freedom. Here's the truth of the matter, guys. Until our minds are set free, everybody say mind, we're not really free. Even though we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we don't change our minds, we're not free. What's the scripture I keep pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding? Jason, if you pop it up, Romans, the 12th chapter, verses 1 and 2. Can we go back there right quick? I keep repeating this because our thinking has to change. This study that we're doing rooted has seven rhythms, seven principles that we are embodying as a church body, as, as our modus operandi for doing ministry. 
And I'm telling you, the church in America especially has to change the way we think about kingdom agenda business. Because too many of us grew up in a, in a, in a, in a context where church was all about what we're doing here on Sunday, coming here and gathering. Oh, I went to church today. Oh, we had a good time. Christian got out of his shoes and started dancing. They had a national, they were on fire. And man, we had a good time in the Lord today. And then we go back and come next Sunday. And during the course of the week, and in our individual settings, in our places of employment, in our homes, we never really, we, we never even really embody the spiritual truths that God wants to live our lives by. And, and, and we see the church not having the type impact that it, that it used to have because the church has forgot about evangelizing. The church has forgot about, amen, going out and making disciples. And we just good, we, we're okay with coming to church. But I'm here to tell you. Listen to me carefully. I am going to challenge as your spiritual leader, I'm going to challenge every last one of us to think differently about kingdom agenda, to think differently about what church really means and to begin to go to the source, the Holy Scriptures, to find out, amen, what God has to say about us as born again believers. Look at this text right quick. Y'all ready? Are you ready? I said, are you ready? Are you? Can I get a witness on this side of here? Can I get a witness? All right. Y'all are ready, right? I'm coming to this side of here. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Oh, here we go. Can I get one witness over here? All right. Listen, y'all are ready now. Y'all are ready. All right. Can we read? Can we read together? Let's go. Ready to read. And so... Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be what? This is truly the way to worship him. Verse number two, let's go. Don't copy. Stop, stop, stop. Now what he says here. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. He says this world system. This, this mean, it mean, when he says world here, he means society apart from God. Society apart from God. Your family apart from God. What you do in your in place of employment apart from God. He says don't copy the behavior and customs of society apart from God. But do what? Let God transform you into a new person by doing what? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and is what? It's perfect. Now, guys, hear me carefully. Anytime we go to solve a problem and even solving the problem of the church in America today, and what I perceive is a lack of vitality, vigor, and, 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 and uh, what, what do I call it? Passion. For reaching the lost and discipling and training the saved. There are many of you sitting in here who are just as good and fine with just coming to church on Sunday. And I'm telling you, that is not what God called us just to do. We should do this. We should assemble it because Hebrews 10 and 25 says what? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but come together even more as you see the day approaching. But but, but, but our Christian walk should be a lifestyle, not just something that we do on Sunday. So I want to ask you a question. If I, if I, 
If I interview three of your closest compadres, family members, whoever, family members, co-workers, friends, or whatever, if I interview three of your closest people who know you better than anybody else, what would they tell me about you? Would they identify you as a child of God, a praying woman, a praying man, a man who, who speaks about God and what he's doing in his life and what, what visions that God has shown and direction for the family, uh, direction for their life is, in, in advancing kingdoms? Would they say that or would they just tell me that you're a good person? Or, or and, and you got a little, some little ways and little idiosyncrasies that, that are a little strange, but, but, but you, 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 you're that girl, you're that boy. They, I want to know what would people say about you outside of church. Shh, shh, get real quiet. I want to know how would people identify you. Would they say that you are a person who carries out God's mission? Or would they say you're a person who goes to church and don't apply anything that you learn? What would people who know you closely, the person who lives with you, because you can fake it at church, can't you? You can fake it for an hour and a half, right? Oh, glory. Thank you, Jesus. And we, and we, we sit back and sometimes we, we look and we just the, 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 uh, uh, the spiritual maturity of a person based on how they praise. All right? And, and we ought to praise God, but I would rather you worship him. If, if, you got, if you got a choice between the two, to praise the worship. Worship is a lifestyle. Praise, praise is what we do because God is good, not because we're good. Do y'all understand that? So anybody can praise him because praising him has nothing to do with how good you are. Praising him has nothing to do with what you did last night. Praising him has everything to do with how good he is. But worship means that I have given my life over to him. And I'm like the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2 and 20 where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But what would people say about you? What is your identity? See, I've discovered that in any area of our lives, we will not be set free until we deal with the root issue of our problems. Ever say the root issue? I've discovered that the real problem in most church congregations and most individual Christians is the way we think. Amen? The way we think. Go to John, the eighth chapter, verse 31 and 32 with me. Can we move today? Are y'all ready for some word? Are you ready to walk through the Holy Scriptures? John chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 31 and 32. Let's go to the King James Version of Scripture on that. And then I want to look at the children of Israel. Because the Bible tells us, over in 1 Corinthians, I believe it is, maybe around the 10th chapter or so, uh, it says, there are things that happened to Israel and they were written for our admonition. They were written as an example for us to see what to do and what not to do. I will tell you that God in dealing with his chosen people, Israel, had a deliverer who was going to be sent to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. But I will also tell you that even as Moses' deliverer, a man, went to Egypt in, in some ways reluctantly, but he eventually obeyed what he do, there was something about the children of Israel that still had them misidentifying themselves. 
even though they were delivered out of physical slavery, they still have a, a mind that was still trapped in slavery because they had not changed their thinking. And we'll take a look at that in just a second, okay? Text says what? That's right, ready to read. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Verse number two, 32, and ye shall what? Know the truth shall make you free. Look at what Jesus said in these verses concerning being free. He clearly stated that being free is the result of abiding in his word. Everybody say abide. That word abide means what? To stay. Your place of abode, your home is where you stay. He says, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, right? He promises that if we become committed disciples of his word, we will know the truth and the result will be freedom for us. Again, that word know in the Greek language doesn't mean just to understand. It means to experience intimately. Now, you may know certain people and I can name some people who you say you know, but you don't really know them in the sense of an intimate relationship. All right. How many of y'all know Moraria Adams? Let me see hands. Do y'all know who Moraria Adams is? Can I see hands? All right. She did the, the, the welcoming up here earlier. Moraria Adams is my spouse, my wife. Would y'all agree? I got papers on her. I mean, anybody from the 80s remember? Carl, you remember? I got papers on her. All right. So, so when it comes to this word knowing and abiding, it has the same connotation, the same context. There should not be anybody in this room who knows her better than I do. Can I get a witness up in here? In the sense of this word, because Adam knew Eve and she conceived. She was in the intimate relationship with, with, with Adam. And so because of that intimacy, birth took place. In other words, uh, uh, we are in covenant relationship. Our level of relationship should, should be uh, higher than anything except her relationship with God. God knows her better than me. Because God can get into the heart. God can look, get into the mind and he knows exactly where we stand. So, so, so even though you know her as, as the pastor's wife or in our own setting, of, uh, you know, where she's a, a, a IT analyst and a systems librarian. And by the way, uh, 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 at the end of this month, she's going to say bye-bye to LSU after 34 years. Yeah, everybody say it's time, it's time, it's time. All right. So, so, but you may know in those settings, but nobody knows her on this earth like I know her on this earth because our intimate relationship. And that should be the same with, 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 uh, with all, all of you are in covenant relationship. And so if, if somebody knows your wife better than you know, or somebody knows your husband better than you know him, then we got a problem. We got some relationship issues that need to be uh, uh, taken care of. And, 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 and we need to, to we, well, Say, keep moving, Pastor. Satan's temptation always begins with a thought that is contrary to the standard of God's word. His methods have never changed, y'all. 
in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, he says, yea, hath God said, right? Jesus promised that if we commit our minds and our hearts to his word, the result will be a personal experience that will set us free. Now go to, go to, go to Exodus, the fourth chapter, right quick. Exodus chapter number four. I think this is where I want to go. Exodus chapter number four. Um, again, these things were written for our example. Verse number 29. Exodus four, verse number 29. Let's take a look at this right quick. Because I, here's what I'm, I'm afraid of. And I know what's happening in the church. The power that Hindu, remember the word, the Hindu? Huh? Do y'all remember it? Indunamio? Thank you, thank you. That word Indunamio is, is, is a power that's available for us. And God says we are, we, we are, we are partakers of his divine nature. But what I'm afraid of is because we don't know our identity in Christ, we feel like we are not capable of doing some of the things that God in his word says we're capable of doing. And that won't change until our mindset changes. Because we have, amen, a mandate from God to, to be in our mindset and to be disciple makers, amen, at the core of everything that we do. And, if, if, and there are so many churches who are not doing any of this. There are so many churches who had not had a baptism in years. There are so many churches who don't spend time trying to disciple people. We just spend time trying to have a good time at church. Oh, wasn't it good? I want to know that what you're learning is impacting how you're living. What we're learning should impact every area of our existence, from our marriage to our, how we handle our money to how we work to how we how we interface with relatives on down the line, how we play sports. Amen. If you're playing sport, I understand passion, but passion shouldn't be you cussing somebody out. Amen. Passion should be that I'm, I'm, I'm driving hard and, and, and we're going to do this thing the right way. Can I get a witness? Now watch this. So, so, so what we learn on Sundays should impact what we do the rest of our time. Text says this. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and call all of the elders of Israel together. Is that what the Bible says? Can we read again? Next verse. Now go back. Next verse. I'm, I'm sorry. Ready? Y'all ready? Let's go. Aaron told them everything. Now watch this. Why is Aaron speaking for Moses when Moses can talk? Well, Moses just said, God, God, I, I stutter, I stumble. I'm, I'm, I, I don't talk very well. But God says, you know what? There's Aaron. Take him with it. He'll talk for you. So what Aaron doing now is talking for Moses. He's telling the leaders of the tribes of Israel what God had told Moses. All y'all sit with me. And y'all know in a nutshell, can I, can I make it real simple? God had told Moses, I'm going to send you down there and you tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And I'm going to use you to be the deliverer for my people. Are y'all still tracking with me? And so the Bible says what? Let's read. Aaron told him everything the Lord had told Moses and Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. So, 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 so watch. What's the mindset now? The people were convinced that the Lord had did what? Sent Moses and Aaron. And when they heard what the Lord was 
concerned about them, had seen their misery, they bowed down and did what? All right, now let's skip over, if you will, to the sixth chapter. All right, now we get to the sixth chapter, starting at verse number one. I need you to understand something had happened in between the end of chapter four and the beginning of chapter six. Well, Moses went to Pharaoh and told him to let God's people go. Uh, and, and Pharaoh's heart got hardened. And what Pharaoh did was say, I said, well, since you're talking about letting people go, I tell you, well, all y'all will start making, making brick, but we don't put no straw in it. All right? So now watch this. Now, in chapter four, they said, great, the Lord is, the Lord is concerned about us. And they bowed down and worshiped him. Now, look at what happens. See, when you don't know your identity, when you don't know that, that, that your covenant relationship with God sets you free and you can trust him, then when, 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 when tragedy or adversity comes into your life, you'll change your mind. Look at the sixth chapter here. Watch it. So, so the text says, then the Lord told Moses, verse number one, ready to read. Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them under his terms. I promised to give them the land of Canaan where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians. And I am well aware of my covenant with them. Let me tell you something. God hadn't forgotten about you. I want you to know that whatever you're dealing with right now in life, if you got a covenant with God, he has not forgotten about you. He is able to do exceedingly abundant above all. He can ask to think according to the power that works in you. Can we get moving though? You can be sure that I've heard of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians and I am well aware of my covenant with them. Verse number six, ready to read. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I'm the Lord, your God, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I will give it to you as your what? Very own possession. I am the Lord. All right. Now watch this. Now, fourth chapter, they heard God was concerned about them. They bowed down and worship, right? Then Pharaoh first went to. I mean, when Moses first went to Pharaoh, then he started making them uh, make a brick without straw. And that was a very laborious and tiring task, almost next to impossible, but they had to try to do it. So now watch this. Okay. Next verse. Ready to read. Let's read. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said. Now he told them earlier, Aaron told them earlier, right? But now something happened in between, right? If you don't know who you are, the, when the enemy comes and starts striking, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna kowtow and back up. Watch the text. So Moses told the people of Israel what? What the Lord has said. But they what? Well, wait a minute. I thought they just bowed down and worshiped God in chapter 4. But now in chapter 6, because the adversity hit, they didn't want to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Because they were making brick without straw. What, what, what am I trying to get, here, get to you right quick? See, God's 
plan for them never change. God's delivering power never cease. But because they face some adversity, they refuse to hear and listen to what God's word and God's man was saying. Sometimes even as a pastor, I, I sense that some of y'all, some of y'all because of what you're going through and what you've been through, when you hear word, you're like, ah, that, 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 that don't work for me, pastor. Oh, no, pastor, you, you, you just don't know like I know what the devil has done to me. Instead of saying, you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me, we put all of our emphasis on what the devil is doing and what folks who don't like us are haters. Listen, most people aren't too concerned about you. All y'all on social media talking about my haters, maybe it ain't but two people that don't like you. And the rest of them aren't even concerned about what you're doing. They're just trying to make it. And by the way, if they do hate you, why are you concerned about that? Well, some of y'all, some, if, listen, if you're going to go with God, you're going to have to get into this word and understand who you are and whose you are in Christ Jesus. We got to understand our identity. Everybody say finding my identity. Now we know that, that and this, listen, I, there's, there's countless other scriptures I can go through and tell you how, how fickle and how, how wishy-washy and double-minded the children of Israel were, but God had a covenant with them and he still delivered them. Let me tell you something, God can bless us and, and, and when, when even we don't deserve to be blessed. I don't know about anybody up in here, but God has done some things for me when I didn't deserve it. As a matter of fact, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve what he does for me now, but I just thank him for what he's done. So the Israelites were constantly complaining, even as when they left Egypt and in the wilderness, they were complaining about the manna, you know, complaining about what they were eating. And, and, and they got to the point to where when, the, when Pharaoh was closing in behind them, they started complaining and said, Moses, you should have just left us in Egypt. At least we had a, a bed to sleep on, had food to eat. Now we out here in this wilderness and now the Pharaoh's army is getting ready to come and, and, and destroy all of us in this wilderness. They, because they had been delivered physically, but in their minds, they, their minds had not been renewed to understand who, who they had a covenant relationship with. Are y'all with me? They, they, they were sitting there complaining and moaning when God all the time is delivering them. Let me tell you something. Sometimes our deliverance is progressive. Everybody say progressive. In other words, the decision to be set free is there, but we got to go through some, we got to go through a process. Everybody say process. See, most people don't want to go through the process. Some of y'all say, well, Pastor, I need, I need some deliverance in my finance. Okay, good. Thank God I'm going to help you. All right, so let's sit down and do a budget. Budget. Um, go see Yvonne Barlow. See, Go see, I don't want nobody in my business. What you mean you don't want nobody in your business? You broke. You broke. You need somebody in your business. You need a financial advisor who will set up a plan for you to get free. But what you want is you want it right now. It took you five years to build up all that debt and not pay folks. And by the way, let me say this. Quit going to people, paying them $900,000 to fix your credit when that stuff on your credit report is true. You didn't pay. And you're going to get swindled out of your money. Hello, somebody. 
And by the way, I don't want somebody trying to help me financially, and they all jacked up. Are y'all listening to me? It's a process. process. We are growing in crisis, but we can't jump off the train in the middle of the ride. We got to keep going through and allow God to do what he wants to do in our lives to get us where we need to be in him. Are y'all with me today? So, but, but, but it had to be a mindset change. So let me give you just four things. It's not on your outline, but, but the, the first thing we said on your outline is that uh, we, uh, number one, your identity is found in him, not in you. Your identity is found in him, not in you. Everybody say, your identity, my identity is found in him and not in me. It's not found in what you do. Okay, you don't, it's, not found, it's, not found, it's not found in how much money you have. It's not found in what kind of house you stay in. It's amazing to me how people are so vain when it comes to material possessions. We think the house makes us. We think the car makes us. When you had the, when you had the little hoop that you, you rolled and you spoke to everybody, now you got the new car, you're like, I'm driving my Benz now. I can't park over there. And you start parking sideways like this. Get between those lines. Don't want nobody to park next to you. That car doesn't make you. Nothing wrong with having a car. I told you, God has no problem. If, if, you, can, if you can afford to, to, to buy it, then buy it. God has, listen, we, we think God is concerned about uh, what team wins the football game and what kind of car we drive and what kind of house we stay in. Yes, he, 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 he says, he, God, God says whatever we ask him, he, he's willing to give it to us if our heart is right. But don't, don't make that your identity. If you lost the car, would you still be able to worship? Praise him. If you lost the house, would you still be able to worship and praise him? If the job that you have plays out, would you still be willing to say, God, I love you. I thank you. This, this job is played off. They laid everybody off. But God, you are my source. This job was never my source. It was just a resource. And just like you provide that resource, you give me a, another resource. I'm going to trust you because I know you will provide. See, when you know your identity, those things don't move you like that. Now watch this. Watch this. Four, four things. So if we're going to... to uh, this is under your identity is found in him, not in you. Man, my time is running. All right. So one of the things we got to do is if, if we're going to think right, uh, is we, we got to start with biblical meditation. Everybody say meditation. meditation. The word meditate as used in the Bible means two basic things. First, it means to consider or to ponder. Everybody say consider, consider. or ponder. Second, it means to speak or to murmur to oneself. Everybody say speak. Or to murmur to myself. I shared this with you before. A good, medit- a good picture of, of meditation is an animal such as a cow or sheep that chews the cud and ruminates it. Rumination is that process of chewing, swallowing, and then regurgitating it to chew again. It's, it's as if you would have had some uh, collard greens or turnip greens with some hot water cornbread. And you, and you, and you mash that hot You mash that hot water cornbread up in the greens. So it's all mingling it together. And then you take the, 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 the candy yams, Nancy, and place it right alongside on your plate. 
and take the baked chicken or either the fried chicken and then you start to eat that and put it out and you, mmm, mmm, a good Sunday dinner. Amen. Can I get one witness up in this place? Yeah, I had some of that last Sunday. But when you chew it, you chew it, you swallow it, and you regurgitate it, and you chew it again. That's the idea that it has here when it talks about meditation. Go to, go to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 7. I got to move. Deuteronomy 6, chapter, verse 4 through 7. So, so if, if we're going to get to the point where we find our identity, we got to renew our minds. We got we to counterattack Satan's assault on our thought life. Because if God is going to transform us into a new person by changing the way we think, we got to not let our old way of thinking determine how we do life. Don't let your sorority determine how you do life. Thank God for sororities. Don't let your fraternity determine how you do life. Thank God for fraternities. Uh, 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 if, they, if they're right, amen. Uh, you, 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 you follow what I'm saying? You, you, okay, all right. Can I keep moving? Don't let that determine your scope of, of, of an outlook on life. The word of God has to be the, the mirror through which we view life. Watch the text here. Ready to read. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Verse number two, uh, verse number five, I'm sorry. Ready to read. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Next verse says what? And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Next verse says what? Repeat them again and again. Now I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you sat down and talked to your children about scripture? When was the last time you had a conversation with your children about what God is doing in the life of your family? When was the last time you, you gave a praise report to your children about what God is doing in your life? All right. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. What he's saying is, is that this should be a part of I got to God's first command to Israel was to love him and to love his word with their whole hearts. The second thing God commanded the men of Israel to do was to diligently teach their children the word of God. I am convinced that many of our children have gone astray because we have not done an adequate enough job of discipling them in our homes. And the home should be the primary place of discipleship for the children. Can I get a witness? So we got to start with biblical meditation. The second thing we got to do, we got to set our mind. Everybody say, set my mind. Uh, just write this down. Colossians, the third chapter, verses one through two. We'll, and we'll, Let's read it right quick. Colossians chapter number three, verses one through two. So, the point, your identity is found in him, not in you. You know, they're, they're, this world is crazy. Um, you know, nowadays, when you fill out a form, they'll ask you how you identify. And there are so many different things on that form now. It just kind of makes my mind queasy. And I, I share this, and I, I share this in love. Um, the, <laughs> You can call yourself whatever you want to call yourself, but I'm here to tell you that God's original natural design was male and female. It boggles my mind. Uh, I was reading an article the other day when uh, there was this, I think it was a power lifter uh, that warned this. Uh, he was actually a man, but he said he's a woman and he's competing against women and he broke the record. Duh. 
He broke the record by about 400 pounds. What did you expect? A man's strength in most cases, now some, you, know, you, may have, you may have a one-off somewhere, Danny, but, but in most cases, a man's strength is going to be, yeah, there's some strong women somewhere around here. But, <laughs> but in most cases, a woman doesn't have the same strength and magnitude that a man has because we're built biologically different. But he, he, he won the contest. And there was a swimmer that did the same thing. I'm like, come on, guys. You can say whatever you want to say, but you still got those male parts. All right? Look at this. Watch this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the reality of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Go to, go to the KJV, if you will, Jason. I'm sorry for, for jumping around on you. KJV on this in Colossians, the third chapter, verse number one and two. Y'all, y'all, we got to set our mind. Everybody say set it. I've told y'all this before, to set your mind has the connotation of a, 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 a medical term. When you break a bone, you have to set it back in place in order for it to heal properly. The setting of the mind, the setting of the bone can be painful, but it's necessary in order for proper healing to take place. Are y'all with me? There's sometimes you got to hurt something to heal something. I think I like that. Sometimes you got to hurt something to heal something. You got to hurt some emotions, um, some, some feelings that you have in order to get healed, amen, from what you're dealing with. Right? When God says, turn him loose, he's no good. He's not good for you. It hurts you to not answer the phone call. Oh, there he is. He called again. Should I answer it? I really want to see him. It's been three days. I know he texted me and said he wanted to come over. Should I answer it? And then you go to praying, Lord, uh, I know you told me to leave him alone. He's not saved. He's not good for me. But Lord, I think I can reach him. No, it's, we don't do missionary dating. I'm going to marry him and get him saved. Oh, tell me how that's working for you. Sometimes you got to hurt to get the healing. Sometimes the thing that you want to do, your flesh wants to do, you got to tell your flesh you can't do it. Now, we talk about that with, with, with sex, sexuality and relationships, but what about with food? God, why do you want to start talking to me right now? Holy Ghost, why'd you, why'd you, I, I was going good when I was talking about those relationships, but, but, but oh. okay, Lord. See, there are things that we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him daily. So sometimes hurting has to take place before healing takes place. Amen. And I've said this before, if you hide it, he can't heal it. You're trying to keep that sin and hide it from everybody and hide it from God. God knows exactly where, where, you, where you are. He knows exactly what you're thinking. And so you can't hide 
what's the audacity of humankind to think that they can hide something from God, the one who made us, the one who created us, the one who, who, who delivered us, the one who set us free. He knows everything about us, every thought, every idea, and every feeling that we have. But he wants to help us. But we got we to be honest with him. Yeah, 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 you got, you got, to, you got to say, yeah. Listen, I, I want to do that. I felt like that. I want to go there. God, help me. And then, then, then practically, he got somebody in your life. You got somebody in your life who you can go and talk to about what you're dealing with. God wants to heal us. He says, if you then be risen with Christ, well, seek those things which are aware above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Next verse says, set your affection or your mind on things above, not on things on earth. How much spiritual thinking do you actually do in the course of a week? Do you think about the things of God? Do you think about God's plan for your life? Do you think about what we're studying, what we're preaching about on Sunday, or do you never give it any thought? Guys, we got to, we got to, everybody say, set my mind. I got to do that by concentrating, by putting the word of God before my face. I got to make sure that I am uh, 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 in line with him. And the third thing I got to do, I got to align my confession with God's word. I got to align my confession with God's word. I got to say the same thing that God says. Even when I don't feel it, I got to say it. I got to speak the word of God into my life. Align my confession with God's word. Amen. If I say align my confession with God's word. I like what, what, what Mark 11 says. Mark 11, 22 and 24. Let's go there right quick. Mark 11, 22 and 24. 22 through 24 from the KJV. Mark 11, 22 through 24. Glory to God. Are y'all still with me? Everybody say, find my identity. Glory to God. And Jesus answering said unto them, have what? Faith in God. Next verse says what? Let's read. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt where in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he said. Verse, the next verse says what? Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Now he talks about speaking to mountains. Well, a mountain is an obstacle. A mountain is anything that, that's, that, that's preventing us from, from embracing the, the totality of our relationship with God in Christ Jesus. A mountain is anything that's stopping us from advancing kingdom agenda. And Jesus told us to speak to the mountain. I told y'all there's value in speaking the word. Amen. But you got to go do more than just say it. You got to also say it. You got to embrace it. You got to hide it in your heart so you don't sin against God. But we got to start saying what God says about us in order for us to walk in our true identity. Don't let somebody else define who you are. Know who you are in Christ and begin to speak that I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves me. Begin to say I'm the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Start saying about you what God says about you. Because the enemy is going to tell you all kinds of stuff that, that's not true, but if you allow it to, to penetrate your heart, it'll, it'll have you off base, okay? So align your confession with God's word and lastly, put yourself under God first, then resist the devil. Some of us try to resist the devil, but we haven't submitted ourselves to God. Submit yourself under God first, then resist the devil, okay? James, if, if James said it and Peter said, Peter talked about he'll flee from him when we resist him. Resist the devil, he'll flee from him. But, but many of us, if the honest, truth be told, some of us aren't doing a very good job of resisting. 
I said some of us are not doing a very good job of resisting. Some of us are not even trying to resist very, very hard. Style. Uh-uh, don't do that. You better stop, boy. I said stop. You ain't, you're not really trying to resist. Because your flesh is saying something else. Did that resonate with some of y'all? You heard the word, but your flesh is saying something different. Guys, submit to God's word and allow it to have the preeminent place in your heart, okay? All right, so point number two. Yeah, look at your outline, point number two, and, and three, we're going to get out of here, okay? All right, so we got to, number one, we said your identity is found in him, not in you. Point number two, your identity is found in what he did, not what you do. Guys, when we try to find our identity, anything other than Jesus, we'll find ourselves lacking. Promotions, raises, titles, vacation, big houses, relationships, all that, all that stuff is going to leave you wanting. You can be sitting in a big old house lonely and feeling void because you thought the house was going was to solve the marriage. You thought getting a new car was going to solve everything. Possessions, hear me carefully. Nothing wrong with having possessions, but possessions can never do what only Jesus Christ and his word can do. And that's fill that void that all of us have. That promotion that you thought, whatever it is, all that's going to leave you wanting and empty because there's a void in our life that only Jesus Christ can fill. The, thir- the third point is your identity is sustained by a mind that's set on him. Go back to Colossians 3 with me right quick, and I'm closing on this. As a matter of fact, I need to close now. Your identity is sustained by a mind that's set on him. To set your mind means that I'm fully focused and concentrated on what God's word says about my individual situation. God has a word for every aspect of our life, from relationships to finances to careers to how we do church life to how we, how we serve him. He has a word for us. But if we don't place that word in front of us and begin to meditate, if we don't take the initiative, decide, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do something that I haven't, haven't ever done. I'm going to begin to be serious about my walk with the Lord when it comes to studying God's word, to being a part of the corporate discipleship training program that my church provides, to be a part of the serving opportunities that my church has provided for me to get engaged in. Because as I serve God and live out his, live out his word in my everyday existence, as I meet people who don't know Christ because I'm out there meeting the needs of my community, then now I have an opportunity to engage with people who I would otherwise not come in contact with. Because God wants to use me to reach people. He chose the foolishness of preaching to get men saved. And he wants to use you to preach. Yes, you, to preach the word. And when I say preach, I mean tell of the good news of the gospel. What, be willing, and part of one of the seven, seven rhythms of our rooted study is, is to be able to share your story. I told you on last Sunday, can't nobody tell it like you can tell it what the Lord has done for you. And you don't have to have a doctorate in ministry to be able to say, this is what God did for me. He changed my life. He, he transformed me from being a whoremonger to being a man of honor and integrity. He changed me from, from, from being a, a racist to being a person who loves everybody now. He, because I, I know and understand that the, the oneness in, that is brought about by the blood of Jesus Christ is what solidifies the gospel message. The gospel message is all about bringing Jew and Gentile together into one body so that we can show the world that, that the unity in Christ Jesus is what, is, is, what, is what love is really all about.
So guys, let me tell you something. I love you and God loves you. Every last one of us in here, God desires to have intimate relationship with us and desires to use us to advance his kingdom agenda. Are you ready to get rooted? Are you ready to find your identity in Christ? Don't find your identity in anything else but in Christ. Other stuff is good, but first and foremost, I need to know who I am in Christ. And we're going to learn some more about that in the coming weeks. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.